rigorous questioning from Austrian security agents to make certain they were not spies. Their Czech identities had taken months to manufacture. They were airtight. Within weeks, if all went according to plan, they would be released into the West and begin their assignments for the KGB. Department 5 had other plans for the boy. There was no security on the Austrian side of the border. They crossed an open field. The air was thick with the stink of manure and the chatter of crickets. The landscape darkened as the wet moon slipped behind a stray cloud. The lane was exactly where the control officers had said it would be. When you reach the road, head south, they had said. The village will be there two miles away. The lane was pitted and narrow, barely wide enough for a horse-drawn cart, rising and falling over the gentle landscape. They walked quickly, the man and woman leading, the boy a few feet behind. Within a half hour the horizon glowed with lamplight. A few moments later a church steeple floated into view above a low hill. It was then that the boy reached inside his coat, withdrew a silenced pistol, and shot the man in the back of the head. The woman turned quickly, eyes wide with terror. The boy's arms swung up, and he shot her rapidly three times in the face. October Chapter 1 Off Long Island, New York They made the attempt on the third night. The first night was no good. Heavy cloud cover, intermittent rain, wind-blown squalls. The second night was clear with a good moon, but a bitter northwest wind made the seas too rough. Even the ocean-going motor yacht was buffeted about. It would be hell in the Boston Whaler. They needed a calm sea to carry it off from the whaler, so they motored farther out and spent a seasick night waiting. That morning, the third morning, the marine forecast was promising, diminishing winds, gentle seas, a slow-moving front with clear weather behind it. The forecast proved accurate. The third night was perfect. His real name was Hassan Mahmoud, but he had always found it rather dull for an Islamic freedom fighter, so he granted himself a more venturous nom de guerre, Abu Jihad. He was born in Gaza and raised by an uncle in a squalid refugee camp near Gaza City. His politics were forged by the stones and fire of the Intifada. He joined Hamas, fought Israelis in the streets, buried two brothers and more friends than he could remember. He was wounded once himself, his right shoulder shattered by an Israeli army bullet. The doctors said he would never regain full use of the arm. Hassan Mahmoud, alias Abu Jihad, learned to throw stones with his left. The yacht was 110 feet in length, with six staterooms, a large salon, and an aft deck large enough to accommodate a cocktail party of 60 people. The bridge was state-of-the-art, with satellite navigation and communication systems. It was designed for a crew of three, but two good men could handle it easily. They had set out from the tiny port of Gustavia on the Caribbean island of San Barthélemy eight days earlier, and had taken their time moving up the east coast of the United States. They had stayed well outside American territorial waters, but still they had felt the gentle touch of U.S. surveillance along the way. The P-3 Orion aircraft that passed overhead each day, the U.S. Coast Guard cutters slicing through the open sea in the distance— They had prepared a cover story in the event they were challenged. The vessel was registered in the name of a wealthy French investor, and they were moving it from the Caribbean to Nova Scotia. There, the Frenchmen would board the yacht, along with a party of twelve, for a month-long Caribbean cruise. There was no Frenchman. An officer in a friendly intelligence service had created him, 
and there most certainly was no party of twelve. As for Canada, they had no intention of going anywhere near it. That night they operated under blackout conditions. It was clear and quite cold. The bright half-moon provided enough light to move about the decks easily. The engine was shut down just in case an infrared-equipped satellite or aircraft passed overhead. The yacht rocked gently on the flat sea. Hassan Mahmoud smoked nervously in the darkened salon. He wore jeans, Nike running shoes, and a fleece pullover from L.L. Bean. He looked up at the other man. They had been together ten days, but his companion had spoken only when necessary. One warm night off the coast of Georgia, Mahmoud tried to engage him in conversation. The man simply grunted and walked to his stateroom. On those rare occasions when he did communicate verbally, he spoke in the precise, accentless Arabic of someone who has studied the language diligently but not mastered its subtleties.